Hi, everybody. You know what's happening right now. It's day nine of the Nerdalogs presents your stories, Fortnite from the Heart celebration of love and power ballads. And I'm host Eric Arnone. Yesterday, I mentioned that Thursday and Friday this week would be spotlighting tales from an engaged couple who met in part through our show. Well, yesterday we heard from Shelby Mongan, so if you know the people in the Your Stories orbit, you know that today had to be Chris Cratwell. Of course, we chose the story about Chris's ex-wife, and as it happens, I found an intro to that piece recorded by Shelby herself about a year after they started dating from our Best of 2013 compilation episode. So I'm going to let Shelby do most of the contextualizing for that piece. Let me just say that it's a really honest, funny look at why relationships can fail for nerdy types like us, and I love it. Love it still. I found myself laughing. Yeah, it's great. Our chosen song uh, is the first in this run of episodes to feature longtime band member Claire Friedman belting an absolute karaoke classic, and it also features a pretty stellar cameo from Chris at the end. So my personal Fortnite donation today is going to Esperanza Community Services, an organization that supports both children and adults with developmental disabilities uh, and helps them build skills and work towards independence. It's a really lovely organization that some people I work with do a whole lot for, and I'm proud to support their efforts. Learn more about their massive slate of projects, including schools, day training programs, and integrated living arrangements at esperanzacommunity.org. And now, here's one of the most thoughtful, celebrated voices in the history of our show with some knowledge for y'all. Hey guys, so uh, I'm here with Shelby Mongan. You may remember her as the one of the departing, I don't know, cast members of your stories this year. Shelby left for the faraway land of Dayton. How is Dayton treating you, Shelby? Um, it's boring. It's boring. Cool. Is it? Uh, so you you would say you miss your stories a lot? Terribly. I look forward to the podcast every month, and uh, curse the fact that I've yet to time coming back. At the same time as your story. Okay, great. This interview's over. No, um, Shelby, <laughs> Shelby nominated um, Chris Crotwell's story with apologies to my ex-wife, which is interesting. It's obviously a great story, but also there's kind of a, a neat twist on that in that <laughs> you are Chris's current girlfriend, which I wonder, does that play into your uh, how you take the story versus how other people take it? So, uh, like, what, what stuck with you about that story? Well, when Chris and I, because we talk about our stories before your stories every month, and when he told me that that month was going to be a story about um, his ex-wife, I'm not going to say I didn't expect to like the story, but I didn't think it was going to be my favorite story he's ever told, which ironically it ended up being. Mm. Uh, what I love about the story and what I think is the most important about it is that your story is all of the regulars tell their own particular kind of story, and the combination that they bring together is what makes the whole night so beautiful. And so what I think Chris does really well is a combination of funny anecdotes and professor-like tirades about how people should live their lives. And, <laughs> you know, if anyone can give a tirade, it is Christopher Crotwell. And so what I think is really amazing about that story is that he took an event that could have just been funny stories to talk about his ex-wife liking Blue's Clues and what not to wear and some terrible media. And instead 
and without making fun of her or anyone, turned it into a really positive uh, advice for people. I think the best testament to why the story is great is that I have heard it quoted in other people's stories more than once. Um, I know Mike Chuck talked about it. A couple people have mentioned it in stories, his advice. Um, and I think if that's not a lasting testament, what else is? For sure. Chris's stories have a way of sticking with people, uh, and I'm glad that... Uh he showed up on this uh, year-end list for the second year in a row, so let's all enjoy his story. Uh, about just over three years ago, uh, I started a journey of self-discovery and growth, and that journey was catalyzed by a great American uh, coming-of-age ritual, our ceremony of separation, divorce. And this is an apology to my ex-wife. Um, from the age, uh, from being a very small child. Uh, I was let know, I was made to be aware that I was more intelligent than most people. And this is like not something I just decided was true. Uh, various institutions, agencies sanctioned to make this a thing, testing organizations, they let you know. And they sit you down in a room and they say that you're special. And then you get a separate class in public school. You get a gifted class. And, uh... All of that encouragement can really fuck somebody up. <laughs> it really can. And where that factors into this story is, uh, I started reading Pitchfork in the sixth grade. Religiously. <laughs> like, religiously. I read those music reviews every day. Uh, and that was a point in time where I realized that the way that I felt about things and being critical about the other things that people liked could be really satisfying and interesting and give me an enormous power that not everyone had. And it's sort of a maniacal impulse at that age. And so that's the point at which I became an arbiter of taste. A gatekeeper of culture, if you will. I like the good things, goddammit, and they're better than the fucking things you like. And I know that because everyone told me I was smarter than you, so man. <laughs> So, if this sort of thing goes unchecked all the way through high school, like, what you're building is a monster, essentially. And then you, like, you start your first serious relationship. A person, a person with um, whom you will eventually agree, like, yes, we're going to spend all of the rest of our time together, we'll be married. But you know what, like, I don't know if you know this, but bad foundations at the very, very base of a marriage, um, sneering contempt awful. Don't bring that in with you. That's cancerous. Uh, and, and the desire to educate someone about what good things are. Look, like we're nerds and one of the best things about being nerds is that there's this intersection between intelligence and passion that means that when we like things, we like them really well. We like things better than most people. But, but, and this is where I might run into a bone of contention, we do not like better things than people. So back up. We might like things better, but we don't like better things. But we think that we do. And when you come into a relationship and you meet someone, it's I always say at this point in my life, I've learned... So much, I've grown so much because divorce is a really beautiful thing that really pushes people to become the people that they can be. I always say it's a, it's a, it's a partner, not a project. So that's one I picked up. You know, I fix people, they're just people. And uh, you're not a professor, you should be a partner. So shut the fuck up and listen every once in a while. Um, 
I realized uh, a couple years ago after the divorce that being an arbiter of taste was not something I wanted to be anymore. Uh, and even though I seem like a huge asshole in the story right now, and that's sort of the point, uh, keep in mind, if I described someone whose favorite bands were Black Eyed Peas and Hoobastank, and whose favorite two TV shows were like, the favorite things on TV were E-Red Carpet Interviews and, and like, Big Bang Theory, I don't mean to... <laughs> too much, but if I say, like, if I start describing this man, and I say, like, his favorite movie is Daredevil, but only the full screen version. Not the way The full screen Daredevil is his favorite movie. You, like, you start to get antsy. <laughs> and you see this person in your head, and you start to judge them. Don't act like you don't. <laughs> and that's a bad impulse, because you don't know shit about him. Like, you don't know what he's like. We like things really well. Nerds like things really well. But when we decide that we don't like things, we are infuriating and nasty and impossible to deal with. <laughs> it is too much. Right? When it comes to like that educating thing, like you, you find somebody that you like, you enjoy, you like being around them, you enjoy their company. And then you realize that they haven't seen any of the Indiana Jones movies. And it keeps you awake at night. <laughs> don't act like it doesn't. <laughs> But, but, like, here's a tip. Someone didn't start dating you to get an education in the things you fucking like. <laughs> they, don't, they don't give a shit what you like. They don't give a shit what you like. They like the things they fucking like. And one of the rudest things you can possibly say to someone is that they have bad taste. Because what you've done is you've minimized them as a person. You said the things that make them feel good don't matter. And you said that you're better. And living in a home with someone like that must be awful. Yeah. Right? That can't be good. But it's so easy to do. You know? Like, we're all arbiters of taste in our own way. Like, these things are good things. These things are bad things. Too easily, we'll take the sum of a person's likes and dislikes and try to drum up a picture of who they are in our heads. And that's not how it works doesn't really matter. The things that you like aren't better than things that other people like. And another thing that being an arbiter of taste does that's really awful for you is that it means the things you like end up in this bubble that just gets pushed around by what other people choose to like because you have the desire to be exceptional. It's about what you don't like, not what you do. It's an attitude specifically based on negativity. And when you let that negativity start to eat you up and you let it, like, that be the guiding force between the way that you deal with people, that sort of sneering contempt for the things that people enjoy, we do that pretty well too sometimes. And I know that I did it a lot. And I feel awful for that. Um, so, uh, in that spirit, Becky, you'll probably never hear this but. Um, though I have philosophical issues with it, it's fine to like what not to wear. It's fine. That's totally fine. Clinton and Stacy are engaging, and I sort of like them too. It's fine. Another thing that being so snooty will do to you is that you won't like things that you think you like. Like, you like things, but you're guilty about it. You're not allowed to like the things you want to like because they're not good things. So you feel bad about, like, that's stupid. To Becky, look... I might never like Christian rock, and Reliant K is just not my bag, but 
I was such an asshole about that, and I'm super sorry. That was, like, totally off base. I did not, I shouldn't have been so, so critical. Um, Blue's Clues wasn't written for your demographic, necessarily, but it has a pleasant aesthetic, and I understand why you love it. And it's fine. Like, it's fine. It's totally okay. And, and things, like, things that I wanted you, I, things that I wanted to make you like, like, it doesn't matter that you never wanted to watch Indiana Jones. It doesn't make you a worse person. It's just, you know, it's disappointing, but whatever. I shouldn't have been so shitty about it. That's the, that's the story. And all the other things, the bands I tried to force on you, the, like, how infuriating it must have been to have someone acting like they needed to tutor you in how to like things. Like, what a miserable way to have to be around a person all the time. I'm sorry. And, guys, we're really prone to doing that as a group of people. Try not to take that in your life with anybody. Let them like what they like. Like what you like. Don't push yourself on someone. Because that's not what they're fucking there for, you assholes. (laughs) (laughs) Turn around.
There's nothing I can do Total eclipse of the heart Once upon a time there was light in my life Now there's only love in the dark There's nothing I can say It's total eclipse of the heart A total eclipse of the heart You got it, Chris. Say you Need to finish the song. Come up here and sing the last line. Turn around, bright eyes. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit Patreon.com/Nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.